2: You're listening to A Mamma Mia podcast Mamma Mia Out Loud
0: Hello and welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud It's what women are talking about on Wednesday the 30th of March I'm Holly Wainwright I'm Mia Friedman And I'm Jessie Stevens. And a quick, in case you missed it, before we get into the show properly, today is Budget Day. Now, you probably haven't been able to open a news site or turn on any kind of audio news without hearing that they're splashing the cash in Canberra today because an election is coming. A couple of very quick headlines because we're not going to get into it in detail They are going to make petrol cheaper, apparently. Magically, they can do that for a period of time.
2: I'm happy about that. I like that the treasurer has been called Dosh Frydenberg. Yes.
0: And also, I saw it being discussed today because the last one, the last budget had a theme song, which was Back in Black by ACDC, because apparently we were going to get Back in Black and the budget, which obviously didn't happen because a pandemic came along and all the things. That's such a nerdy joke, isn't it? I know it is, and today on the ABC they're saying it's a hot chocolate budget because it's everyone's a winner, baby. That's not mine. <laughs> it's always anyway, my favourite budget, the one before an election, because <laughs> it's just like vote for us, please. his money. You have some money, and you have some money. I've
1: been wanting to Google: Do I get money, and how much I get? How much do I get? But I don't. I don't really understand. Holly, do I get money? Jesse, whether or not you get
0: money depends on how much you earn. So, not enough. Uh, <laughs> There is money for pensioners and some lower income earners and there is also money for, who else is there money for? Podcasters, a little bit for pod- Definitely podcasters. Definitely money for podcasters. Yes,
1: good, finally.
2: That's our economic report from Mama Mia Out Loud. <laughs> Listeners, don't you feel informed now, Outlouders?
0: We've told you everything you need to know. I feel terrible because this is actually really important and it affects people's lives, but it's just I haven't had
1: time to get across the budget before we sat down today. Holly, this is the thing, right, is that all anyone wants to know is how it affects them. And what they'll do is they'll Google their own situation and find that out. So... (laughs) that's haven't we been helpful we have and also they're doing that thing that they do where they're saying
0: that lots of lower to middle income earners are going to get more money on their tax return of course you don't file a tax return till june so you have to elect the government to get that money in your tax return so i think we could all agree that it's a bit of a bribery budget but that is nothing new before an election so that's our political where can people find out more they can find out more by listening to the quickie which uh, they do. Gemma Bath is hosting today, and she does know more, and she has a proper report, and we'll put a link in the show notes as well as to the Wouldn't stories. Be hard on to that. know more <laughs> than us at this point. <laughs> Another thing that happened in Parliament overnight, though, that everybody is talking about, is that outgoing Liberal Senator Concetta Ferraventi Wells gave a late night speech where she blasted Scott Morrison. This is what she said: By now, you might be getting the picture that Morrison is not interested in the rules based order. It is his way
2: or
1: the highway. An autocrat, a bully who has no moral compass. In my public life, I have met ruthless people. Morrison
2: tops the list.
0: Whoa. This is massive.
2: You could be forgiven for thinking that she's in the opposition, but... He's her boss.
0: He is her boss. Was her boss. He was her boss because she is really pissed off about the fact that the Libs are handpicking people for seats and she isn't getting one. And she's just saying what she thinks. You know, that's that thing of when you're leaving a job and they have the exit interview and you like crack your Mm. knuckles and you go, okay, here we go. Mm. She just really let loose. But how many people now have mm. said words like this about Scott Morrison in the past couple of months. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely unprecedented, women,
2: I want to say. Women from his own party have said that more than anyone else.
1: The third thing we're going to have to acknowledge before we get into the show is, oh my goodness, louders in northern New South oh, Wales. Mate. I cannot believe it. An evacuation order is in place for Lismore where their levee has overflowed The main street of Byron Bay is underwater. The cleanup hasn't even finished. There have been people tirelessly working and working and working to, you know, recover homes, property businesses, and to think that this is going to happen again. The flooding is just relentless and we're thinking of you. We're sorry. It's just bloody
0: awful. But on the main show today, this is what we are talking about. We're talking about reality of life with a newborn and why the millennials are angry about it, including Jesse Stevens. Can't wait to hear about that. And what it feels like to get worse at something not better.
1: Regardless of what you feel about the Will and Chris thing, whether it was staged or not staged, whether the joke was funny or not funny or who was right or who was wrong, is anybody else still just, I can't shake how weird I feel. Like, I don't know if it's secondhand embarrassment. I just, in what world, this almost feels like a dream I had last night that I woke up and was sharing with my wife, that Will Smith at the Oscars gets on stage, slaps Chris Rock in the face, then gets back down, sits and screams, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth, then 20 minutes later, wins an Oscar, and during the acceptance speech, kind of apologizes, and then backstage is holding his Oscar, dancing, singing along to his own song as if nothing happened. Like,
2: what? That was actually a TikTok that Jesse came across. And uh, we're still processing it. Perhaps you are too. The last time we spoke about this was Monday. (laughs) We added almost as much to that topic as we just did to the budget in that we pretty much it had just happened within an hour or so we'd gotten back into the studio quickly because we'd we'd had a conversation about the oscars previously and so we just our hair was on fire and we were just sort of shocked and we sort of said oh my god what just happened if you want some great analysis about what actually happened and what was going on behind the scenes can I recommend The Spill? The episode particularly from yesterday was absolutely outstanding with Key Rees and Laura Brodnick. I don't
0: think anyone's <laughs> debating whether or not this was a bad thing to do and inappropriate. Like there's a word for it. It's called assault. We understand that he should not have done this. The other flip side of it is like also does one mistake mean that you
1: can't celebrate a lifetime of Yeah. Working towards a big moment like this. And that's the flip side of it. Like, I imagine, you know, people saying
0: to him, but you've worked so hard for 30 years. This was a bad thing, yes, and we are going to sort that out. But we need to celebrate tonight because you know we're celebrating you. We're celebrating your career. So there's also that playing into it. There's I just, know it's a really difficult,
1: exactly. And I know, and like I'm not saying like I wanted to take away that win from him. And obviously, if Chris Rock at the time had said I'm not pressing charges, the academy said we're not pressing charges, the police would have said like you're free to go. So technically, he could have gone right. to the after party. It's more so for me that the one of the worst things about yesterday. I mean, there were so many parts to it, and obviously Jada's feelings are at the top of that list. One of the worst parts was like glorifying him as a. Hero.
2: I've been feeling very strange for a couple of days since it happened. And what's been interesting is that there have been so many hot takes. The internet absolutely exploded. Everybody decided that they had to release a statement, give an opinion, write a think piece. Some have been clever, some have been nuanced, some have been less. So some people have been canceled because of things that they've said or tweeted or or expressed. And something that that we were talking about yesterday is that it's been a bit of a Rorschach test. I think that's how you say it, in that there've been so many lenses through which people have seen this story. Lenses of race, of the patriarchy, of disability, of family violence. And there's never been quite a cultural moment like it that I can remember I know that some people have hot take fatigue because there've been so many. I do believe one of them is on this very show today.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm gonna say I'm still in a little bit of shock. Jesse, you were watching it live as well. You and I were both watching it live. Holly wasn't. And I think that's interesting in the in the different ways about possibly who's obsessed with it and who's not. How have you seen everything unfold on the internet over the last forty-eight hours since the slap was heard around the world?
1: So there was there was the slap, and Karen Donnelly wrote about it so well for Mum Mia because she said it was this weird silence for about five minutes where everyone went, Wait, what? Did that just happen? And then it was like this roar of like internet opinions that just emerged. And I think I have found the response to this more shocking than the slap itself. And it says something about the world we live in, which is that if your first response was to talk about, oh my goodness, we just watched violence on television, then that automatically meant that you don't care about disabled people. And if you made a comment about, hang on, since when are we making jokes about alopecia, then that meant you don't care about violence. And that was a really Mm. frustrating place to be. It's been a really dark place on the internet for the last few days. And I must say that what I'm most shocked by is the take that Will Smith was pushed to a point of violence that is somehow justified and that that argument has actually been stated by feminists. And I don't think all the takes are necessarily equal, and we'll get into some really bad takes, but I've seen it written. Do you mean that and the violence
2: course, was justified because the yes, joke was made about his wife's disability?
1: Exactly. And I have seen the argument that white women are centering themselves in this. And right now, we are having a conversation with three white women, and this was something that took place between three people of colour, and I think that's actually a relevant detail. I think that's totally fair enough. Mm. However, the argument that white women have centred violence in this conversation and ignored a black woman, I don't think that stands because the person who centred violence at the Oscars was Will Smith. And when you go on stage and you open hand slap someone, he made a decision that this wasn't going to be about Jada anymore. Like the conversation wasn't going to be about Jada and a poorly worded joke. He had a hundred options for what he could have done, whether that was yelling, I'm all for heckling, you go for it. He has an enormous platform. He is powerful. He could have done so much. He could have left the room. He could have left the room. He could have made his Oscars speech about it. There was so much he could have done, but he didn't and he resorted to violence. And I think that the tendency for a lot of us to go oh my goodness, that's not acceptable, was that there are a lot of kids watching as well. And we kind of went, can we just get on the same page, which is that if you do not like what someone says, you do not hit them. And especially following a week where five women in Australia were killed by their partners, if we start getting into the territory of there are circumstances in which it is appropriate to hit someone if they offend your honour, if they upset you, if you feel disrespected... Then that is a slippery slope. I'm not willing to enter at all because that's where we get into the space of, oh, but what did she say to upset him? Maybe she said something that warranted a slap across the face. And that's where I got really confused. But Jamila Jamil is one woman, probably the most prominent feminist, who came out with this take. And she wrote Will Smith said, Not today. A man big enough to absolutely floor him, slapped him softly enough that Chris barely moved because he made fun of his wife's alopecia on a world stage. Don't say protect black women for two years and then only condemn Will. And I, I understand that there's, there's lots of things we all have to say at once, which is what was said about Jada isn't okay, what Will did wasn't okay. But what I saw was a man who was way too quick to violence, and people who are saying this was a controlled act of violence, I I don't agree because he was laughing one minute and he snapped and he walked up onto the biggest in in the world and hit someone. And that is a man I look at and go, I would not want to live in your house because you are far too quick for violence. Holly, are you just so sick of people talking about this? It's not that I'm sick of people talking about it. And I, this is probably
0: a controversial thing for someone who... You know, a large part of my job is as a commentator, I talk about things that happen. But I've sat back the last three days and read every take on this, and I broadly agree with all of them. Like, I think that's true, that point is true, and that point is true, and that point is true. And the place I've kind of arrived at, and again, I don't think this is a helpful place for my uh, job prospects, is... (laughs) Do we have to make an admittedly very shocking moment mean everything or even anything definitive? Do you have to pick a side on this, right? Yes. I don't think you do. Have we just been so conditioned now? Maybe you don't. Maybe no. I think we've been so conditioned by hot take culture that you have to, the minute something happens, you have to decide what you think about it. You have to stand in that position. You have to defend that position. I think that in this instance, we could also just look at it and say, this was a very complicated moment, right? Could it not be true that we just witnessed a man having his absolute worst day? He did something really stupid, inexcusable, and feels really shitty about it now. I don't want to cancel any of the people involved in this. I don't want any of them to get arrested. I just hope they're all okay mostly including Chris Rock, who no one is talking about, but who just lived Mm. through possibly the most humiliating thing that a performer could live through in real time on the stage. And I just think that the febrile nature of this, the way that we're all so obsessed with our position on it being right, when it actually has absolutely nothing to do with any of us, just speaks very clearly about where we're at in the world right now. It's like we're all so raw, After these last few years, we're all so raw. It's like we're walking around with open wounds and any bit of sand that gets sprinkled in it. It's like, you're making me... Because I entirely understand how triggering that was for lots of people, myself included, and women I know. I understand all these points of view, and I just think they're all true. There are no winners in this, as Karen Donnelly wrote so beautifully yesterday in Mama Mia. She wrote, there are no winners in this. Not Will, not Jada, not Chris, not anyone. It's just... A really wild thing that happened and can't it just be a really wild thing that happened without having to have this big consequence
1: now I think this says something really significant when so many opinions and so many public figures are saying what led him to this point Mm. I have empathy for Will Smith yeah, this is say shit get hit or something. I've I had people post that on on my socials and I was like oh, I thought we were in agreement about something. But we are. This is is my thing, Jesse. We can
0: be. Like, I'm a parent, right? And I watched that with my... Well, I didn't watch that with my daughter, but my daughter already knew about that when she came home from school that day. And she was like, are we watching the Oscars? Which is a question she has never asked me before. And she was like, somebody gets slapped. When do they get slapped? Is it now they get slapped? Is it later they get slapped? My daughter knows that it's not right to hit people. She does not because she saw Will Smith do it to Chris Rock. Like, that is not like, oh, we've all decided that's fine now. No, we haven't. Like, this is what I mean about these extreme positions that you have to take and then stand there. We can say that was absolutely wrong and still have some empathy for the person who did it. And I think this is probably symptomatic of of we're
2: now in a polarised world where we can't tolerate anyone else's view and the number of people who've been telling other people that they don't have the right to speak about this has been pretty extraordinary as if there is a an arbiter of who's allowed to have a, express an opinion. But the opinion that's shocked me the most has been when people have said they were both in the wrong. And I know what you're saying, Holly, about that's a little bit you because you're saying Chris Rock did the wrong thing and Will Smith did the wrong thing. But when people hold up a cruel, lazy, heartless joke against assault and say they're the same level of bad, like to me watching that felt like the social order was breaking down. Like there's a war in Ukraine, we're in a pandemic I'm watching the Oscars and I literally just flicked it on for 10 minutes to live stream it between meetings because I needed to relax my brain and I wanted to see some silly jokes and some pretty frocks. And then there's assault and swearing and abuse. And I'm just like, and it wasn't even the Golden Globes, which is a little bit loose. Like the Oscars is the most stitched up, boring, safe thing in the world. And then people are saying, Words are the same level as violence as assault. And I'm just, I feel like you, Jesse. I'm just like, wait, do we not agree that hitting someone in the face is worse than anything that you can say with your words? Of course it
0: is. Of course it's worse. This is my point. It's like why are we living in a world where for me not to say that I think Will Smith should be cancelled hung out to dry I don't know means that I think violence is okay is nonsense like I think that the joke was terrible and lazy I think that hitting him was much worse but I don't I also think that jokes like that are told at Oscars every bloody year and at the Golden Globes and all those times so it was yeah that's why I was so shocked I agree with you inexcusable what Will Smith did but at the same time like I have some empathy for the guy like he it literally happened in split seconds like
1: that. But it's interesting Holly because I mean I I have a cousin with a disability and um, my grandmother used to hear things yelled out to him all the time. Things just as bad if not worse than that comment about Jada Pinkett Smith. Was it, was it on a stage? No but she would hear things and I've heard things and people say things about him that are so beyond hurtful and I think what pissed off a lot of disability advocates and I've seen them say it is we still don't hit anyone like yeah. we know that that's not yeah. how you win and and Magda Zabanski made a great point which was people have been making fun of me and my body for my entire career and I don't hit anyone and women generally don't so what and do you so think I, should happen I think that we've just got to examine this I think the fact
0: that a man you know, Don't you think it's open- been examined to an absolute inch of its life? We've done nothing but examine uh, it and the oh, universe has no. done nothing but examine it since this it happened. This is the thing,
2: that that not only did there seem to be no consequences, but yes. within 20 minutes he got a standing ovation, gave a speech and then was partying to his song with everyone going, Will Smith, Will Smith at the after party. Now I agree with you, he shouldn't be cancelled, he shouldn't have his life over, but that's the disconnect. It's like you can say violence is bad, but it seems like he's the king of the world, and not there has not been one. There consequence will be to that. a lot and of consequences. We say to kids, "You hit someone, there's a
0: consequence. You do a bad thing, there's a consequence." Except there's not. This will follow him for the rest of his life. He is the most measured, strategic movie star in Hollywood. Very well documented. He set out to become Tom Cruise. He's managed it. He, that was his dream. That moment. There will be plenty of consequences, not least that this will follow him
1: until the day he dies. Guys, I just need to tell you the worst take that I read. I have this friend on Facebook who um, exclusively has terrible opinions on things, so I obviously still read everything he writes, and I saw this viral Facebook status he shared. He basically said that Jada Pinkett Smith, by sleeping with other men they have an open marriage, so they're aware of that, has emasculated Will Smith to such an extent that he was pushed to this and that in fact they're open marriage, and Jada, it's her fault. I was like, in all the hot takes, I didn't know we could possibly blame Jada. So um, not all takes are created equal.
0: Hi, this is Courtney. Um, I wanted to say thank you Jesse Stevens and, and the others actually for pointing out that assault is not okay in any context. That's not the example we want to set to children watching anyone in how to deal with conflict or or people saying things that we don't agree with. Absolutely the joke was in poor taste but he was Will Smith was better off contacting the media and calling
1: out the humiliation of Jada Pinkett Smith rather than resorting to that. Anyway, guys, I love that you give different perspectives. Keep doing
0: your great work on Mamma Mia Out Loud. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite
1: pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia! subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia! Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamma
0: So a friend of ours and Mamma Mia's is upsetting a lot of young people I know, specifically the ones who have not yet. Had children. Kelly McCarran is the co-host of You Beauty. That's the daily podcast for your face, of course. In case you don't know, you should go and listen to it. And she is also the mother of a little teeny tiny baby called Lenny. Now, Kelly has always been what we would call an oversharer. She used to actually co-host a podcast on Mamma Mia called Overshare. She has always been incredibly open and honest and copped a lot of grief for it, by the way, about being very honest about cosmetic surgery sex, hating Rome wedding, basically all kinds of things that a lot of people feel a little bit uncomfortable about. And she is true to her brand, true to her form, true to her being, doing the same thing about motherhood. And Kelly and other mothers like her, of course, are being very, very honest about what mothering a newborn looks like, specifically in Instagram stories and posts on Insta. And a lot of Young women I know keep saying to me, Kelly McCarran's feed is terrifying me and making me not want to have children. Is it really bad, as bad as it looks? To paraphrase one of our friends, Claire Stevens, I thought it was all about cute baby photo ops, nice smelly heads and being able to take your baby anywhere and this doesn't look like that. Jessie, tell me some of the things that you've seen on Kelly McCarran's feed and elsewhere that have freaked you out lately.
1: I have never seen motherhood shared in the way that Kelly is sharing motherhood. Firstly, she had quite, I don't think I'm out of line in saying it was a traumatic birth, it was a medical emergency and I think a month on she was saying she was still struggling to walk around the block because she felt really faint and she'd lost a lot of blood so you've got a serious medical situation except in her case you're also handed a newborn to look after and I'm like well that's not fair because she has to recover from her surgery (laughs) so I don't know can't someone else look after the baby for a while (laughs) while she recovers the baby is a baby, which is confusing to me mm. because I thought that when women said my baby cries all day that that was an exaggeration <laughs> and I was like, oh, mothers with their hyperbole. <laughs> no, Kelly's baby cries all day and is fussy and um, she she takes videos of the baby groaning and making these weird noises. There's been reference to nipple protectors She's, when she's not breastfeeding, she's pumping. She says she doesn't get more than 90 minutes sleep at a time. And I'm like, how is this allowed? (laughs) How is this allowed? I love how is this allowed? By whom? This is not permissible. This isn't the life I was, I was promised. And what's hard, and I wonder if this is part of it, right, is that there are a lot of women and a lot of women listening Who struggle with infertility and cannot have a baby of their own, and it is what they want more than anything. And I wonder if that conversation sometimes means that women with newborns have to feel complete gratitude and display that gratitude at all times when both things can be true. Just because you have a friend who's unemployed doesn't mean that your job isn't really shit at the moment. So I I wonder if that's part of it and I've spoken to Kelly and she said more than anything she gets mums saying thank you this is exactly it but it is funny that everyone without kids is going oh my god Kelly's having a time and then we send it (laughs) to our friends with kids and they're like I don't understand I don't understand I'm really worried
2: about Kelly do you think she's okay and we're like she's got a baby (laughs) Um, I want to preface this by issuing a disclaimer on behalf of Holly and I in that when we had Newborns, there was no social media, so I'm not going to say what you should and shouldn't put on social media. I think that's for every person to make their own decision about. I remember, though, a few years ago at Mamma Mia, I had to have an intervention with the editorial team because <laughs> you were all completely obsessed with Sonny Blake. First, I'm still child obsessed with Sonny Blake, yep, Zoe Foster Blake, and Hamish Blake. and. The way they posted about him and still they've now had another little girl. I'm not sure if it's still the same, but it looked all very funny, very witty. It wasn't always perfect, but it was always like a funny take on something. It was was exceptionally...
1: cute baby and that's a a few people do that and it's a baby doing a really cute thing and sometimes when you scroll through reels you'd be forgiven for thinking a baby is just a series of very cute moments.
2: Well there are some I mean you hopefully there are but also it was how it was all packaged and they were all dressed well and the captions were really funny because Hamish and Zoe are such funny writers and 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 I had to say to you guys because you wanted to keep doing stories about it Everyone clicked. Yes, all the people who didn't have kids because you all became obsessed because you wanted to believe that that what you see on Instagram, Kelly and people who post like her aside, is what it's like to have a baby. And my my point to you would be that's like watching porn before you have sex and then expecting sex to be like porn. And they're two very, very different things. What you see on Instagram in most cases even the bad pictures, like, you know, this baby doesn't cry all day. Like it, there'll be some moments and things will be made particularly bad or particularly good. But the truth is that there's a hundred of both of those. In fact, there's a thousand of both of those in every single day. So you're not getting an, a good indication.
1: That's what I think is so powerful about what Kelly is doing is that yeah, I agree she's that. going like, this is what it looks like. These are the gritty parts. These are the ugly parts that that people don't show and that's really enlightening and I imagine that when I have kids there will be moments where I think, oh, maybe this is normal because Kelly posted about it and and that's Instagram is it sort of demands of us often just sort of the cute family portraits where everyone's wearing white and the baby is asleep and Kelly's kind of putting a finger up to that I think.
0: I think what I found interesting about the conversation we were having about this is that, My young friends were saying, so-and-so has a baby and it looks like it's really fun, as if suggesting that this is a binary situation where, you know, that people like Kelly, not Kelly necessarily are having a terrible time and these other people are having a brilliant time and how do I make sure I get that experience and not that experience? When, as Mia just touched on, both things are true. I There was social media when I had Matilda, my oldest, but it was mostly Facebook, right? So you were just posting pictures. And I wrote a story once about the pictures I didn't post because it's very much what Kelly is posting, right? So you're so in love with this little person and they are, if you know, assuming that that things have gone relatively well in your mental health and all of the things. You're so in love with this little person and to you they're the most beautiful thing ever. So there are times when you're looking at them sleeping and you are feeling all those Hallmark card things that we are led to believe, you know. Oh, my God, I've never felt love like this before. Oh, my God, you fulfill me. Oh, my God, I've never seen anything so beautiful. And then there are also moments when you literally can't stop sobbing because of what has happened to your life, your body, your time, your relationship, your your financial position, your sleep, that all of those things are really real. It's not an either or. And I think there is no more tumultuous time in many lives, obviously not every life, but there is no more tumultuous time than those first three to six months when everything changes. And... I remember really clearly being a bit like Kelly appears to be at the minute which is as soon as an as evening began to approach when I was in those early days of babies that literally wake up every 2 hours I'd start crying I just felt dread that the sun was going down mm. absolute yeah, dread, dread when the sun goes because down because you were yeah. like here's another night of me not sleeping and dealing with this and being up and down and having no support and all those things it is really hard for most women it is really hard But it is also amazing and also it passes. So that's the other thing that this very intense moment that Kelly is illustrating so honestly is a lot of women's experience and it's an unpopular thing to show it so rawly because a lot of people are like, so don't you love your baby? Aren't you happy you had a
1: baby? And I should, yeah, I should say that Kelly has been very vocal about I love this kid more than I ever thought was possible and that's the other side that she's absolutely sharing but I just wanted wanted to add that I saw a comedy routine the other day where it was a mum talking about having babies and toddlers and she said there's just no value add she said the thing about toddlers when they start talking is that they don't know anything you don't know so they're really boring (laughs) like everything they say is like just incredibly boring and if it's something it's either something you know or it's something they've just completely made up and she's looking at them like you are adding very little value to my to this conversation and i was like that's so true Hey, don't forget that Mamma Mia
0: subscribers get access to Mamma Mia Out Loud five days a week. And on yesterday's subscriber segment, we spoke about why everybody's going into goblin mode, especially Jesse Stevens. Here's a little bit of what we said
1: Goblin energy. You've There's got goblin, goblin energy. energy and I now,
0: like, Jesse, yeah. you and Claire, you were futurists
2: because yeah, now, exactly, goblin mode is what everyone's talking about. And in this article, it said that goblin mode is a term that embraces the comforts of depravity and a direct departure from the cottage core influence of early pandemic days. So, you know, when everyone was making sourdough and wearing comfy socks and, you know, that wholesome we're all in this together, drinking wine, doing puzzles vibe of 2021. But
0: goblin mode is basically the opposite. Remember you can become a member at mamamia.com.au forward slash m plus link is in the show notes.
1: I came across an article in The Atlantic that really spoke to me this week and the headline was what it's like to get worse at something. Now for any listeners who are new um Three weeks ago, broke my leg um, and I can't walk or do anything. And I think this article probably spoke to me because it's very explicit the ways in which I am getting worse at things. Um, The biggest thing has probably been any sort of fitness or exercise, which is something you feel like you work on for a lifetime and then you feel your muscles deteriorate, your cardiovascular fitness deteriorate, and you go, oh, my God, I'm going to have to learn to walk again, which is a confronting thing for someone at 31. But this article was about a lot more than that. Um, the writer, Olga Kazan, writes about getting worse at skiing. And she said that she'd learned as a kid and she'd been many times before. It was something she thought she was good at. And then at 35, she realized that she'd lost pretty much all of those skills and was horrified. She writes, the joy of getting better at something necessitates the pain of getting worse. And it made me think that we rarely slash never know when we've reached peak skill. You never realize in the Mm. moment that you're nailing it at something, but we're painfully aware when we're losing it. And I think a lot of people feel it with things like writing. A lot of people say, oh my goodness, I haven't written properly since high school and they go to write a speech or something and realize that those skills have been lost or a language or fitness or sport when you go I'm going to play netball again and you expect to be as good as you were at 15 and your mind is still like run fast but your body's like we don't know how and that's a really discombobulating feeling. Yeah,
2: right. Feeling. So what you're talking about is the gap though of, because if you keep doing the same thing, I mean, some physical skills are different because, you know, you lose strength or, or fitness as you yeah. get older. But but you're talking about you were really good when you did it, then you don't do it for a while and when you do it again, you're really terrible.
1: Yes, and you're aware of how terrible yeah, right. you are because the part of your brain that remembers being good is going, come on, what's th- what's this about? Mia, what are you getting worse at? Well, I've had two
2: experiences um, recently where I've got worse at things and neither of them are things where I've had a gap. So I, I really am good at interviewing people, right? I've got a podcast, it's called No Filter. I've been doing it for almost five years and I'm pretty proud of my skills at doing that particular thing. It's something I'm really good at getting people to tell stories in an engaging way and open up and be candid. I did an interview a few weeks ago with Jeff Hugel and it was no no fault of Jeff's. In fact, it was the opposite. And it just, I came out of that interview after an hour just going, I completely let that get away from me. Like he literally just swam off and I just couldn't catch him. I, I couldn't get him to answer my questions. I couldn't yeah. So I, it was, It to me, I laughed about it and it ended up being in- edited into a, into a decent episode, but it, it was a reminder to never be complacent. And to the yeah. part of the excitement of going into that studio is there's no guarantees as to how this is going to go. It's like going on a date. You never know. And the other thing that I got worse at, which I really didn't expect in my forties, was that having my period. So, When I thought that as I, and I know that everything seems like it's about perimenopause at the moment, but when I went into perimenopause in my forties, something I wasn't expecting is for my periods to get much heavier and I had something called flooding. So I thought as you got towards menopause, they got lighter and then they just stopped. But for lots of women, flooding is really real where your periods suddenly get incredibly heavy and I never had had heavy periods. So suddenly I had blood on my clothes, like
1: In the office.
2: Like I'd go to the bathroom, I'd be walking through the office and someone would say, oh, there's something on your skirt. And I'd turn around and I'd be like, great, it's blood. Like that hasn't happened since I was at high school. How is it that I've been having my period for, I don't know, 30 years and now I've forgotten how to do it? Holly, what have you got worse at?
0: Look, this is going to sound like a bullshit answer, but I don't really relate to this because I never feel mastery in anything. I, I don't, There really isn't anything that I think I'm really good at. Like as in that I feel it in the moment when I'm doing it, I'm really good Mm -hmm. at this, never. Like when I ran, you know, a few years ago, I ran half marathons, I don't know what I was thinking. I ran half marathons, hated every minute of it, thought I was terrible at it turns out I was. But anyway, I like if I tried to do that now, no, I couldn't do it. I got really good at Pilates after I had Billy because I had time to go to classes and then I couldn't. There's no way I could do that now. But I never ever feel in the moment that I'm good at anything. As you said about peaking, Jesse, I'm like, where's my peak? I don't know. I so I feel like I don't mastery and I aren't
1: friends. Jesse, you've got a recommendation for us before we go. It's This Is Going To Hurt on Binge. It is based on the memoir by Adam Kay. It's brilliant. Don't watch it if you've had a C-section in the past week, probably. But it's about a doctor who works on a um, ward, a a gyno kind of ward. And it's about public versus private. It's about the mental health of um, health workers. It's very relevant with the nurse strike this week um, because it ultimately asks the question, what What have we done to health workers? What sort of pressure are we putting on them and what, you know, what toll is it going to take? It's brilliant. Seven episodes on binge. That is all we've got
0: time for on today's show. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mom Mirror Out Loud. It was produced by Emma Gillespie and the executive producer is Eliza Ratliff and we will see you on Friday. Actually, I won't be here on Friday, guys, because I'm saying goodbye to my parents. So if you've got any farewell messages for them. Send them my oh, way. <laughs> but, we're going to miss them. <laughs> but uh, Jessie and Mia will be back with you on Friday.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Mama Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.
2: Nobody, nobody, nobody Nobody speaks to me like Mamma Mia.